There is a knowing in people. There is a sense of direction in people. There's an inclination in people. And if they learn to follow and distinguish that, regardless of whether they happen to be comfortable or uncomfortable in the moment, that's what will take them where they want to go. So it isn't about how you feel in that sense. It's, it's just about, am I doing what I'm drawn to do? And we just underestimate the power of that. And here's my theory. This is just a theory. I think the reason it makes such a difference is people are drawn to the aliveness. They're drawn to the freshness. They're drawn to the authenticity. They're drawn to the love. That's what draws them to you, not your clever letter, not your clever marketing plan, not your clever sales pitch. They might put up with that if that's what they have to go through to buy from you. But what they're drawn to is that spark. Hello and welcome to the EverCoach podcast, the online destination for a coach that wants to create a positive impact in the world and make good money along the way. I'm your host, Ajit Nawalka, and every week I'll bring you the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers, to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves. Hello there, and welcome to this week's episode. Today I have Michael Neal. Michael Neal is a master coach. He's the author of Super Coach. He's the author of Inside Out Revolution. If you have ever considered the approach, the philosophy of three principles, you have heard about Michael. Three principles is a unique philosophy of coaching that Michael really talks about in our program, Impacting Leaders. And today, I brought him on to talk about how simply he was able to build his career as a coach. He's been at it for over 20 years, and he's probably one of the most sought-after coaches by executives and leaders. He's an outstanding trainer himself, and what really, really will fascinate you about this conversation is he will show you how very simply a lot of things that are in your head are actually not true in creating a powerful, successful, and wealthy and prosperous coaching business, which is why I'm super pumped and excited to bring in Michael Neal. Now, before we get started, I wanna remind you that if you are somebody that is wanting to impact businesses and be able to create change out in the world, you wanna consider looking at Certified Business Coach by Evercoach. We're releasing this new certification only for the next couple of weeks. This is your opportunity to go check it out. I invite you to go over to evercoach.com slash cbc. evercoach.com slash cbc. This is where you'll find all the details about the program. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Michael Neal. Thank you very much. Nice to I see you. I am so excited to have you on the pod. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about business. All right. Um, so one of the things that I have absolutely appreciated, and I've shared the story with you before, is how amazed I was of the simplicity of the mm. first coaching book that I got introduced you yeah. to it, which is Super Coach. Uh, and then, of course, I was mind blown by the Inside Out Revolution. Mm. How did you get started in the business of coaching? And let's let's have that conversation of you starting with the whole dialogue around NLP and 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 the stuff that you did yeah. before. Yeah. Well, so I back when I was learning NLP, it was taught for therapists. Like it, it, so even though I never was interested in being a therapist, I trained in NLP for myself. And then I thought, oh, I guess I'm supposed to 
be a therapist. So I set up, and I remember my first, you know, therapy sessions, I kind of specialized in helping people through panic attacks and phobias and all that. And I got to a point where I really didn't like charging people money who were in pain to get them out of pain. I, I respect it as a field, but I didn't, it didn't sit with me. I, I, I was never going to grow a big business doing it because I felt bad. I like, I was like, if people need help, I want them to get help. But when I found out that there was this profession called coaching where you could help people who didn't necessarily need your help, but could do better with it, who were already doing well, but could take things to another level. For whatever reason, that sounded like a great idea. And I knew that was a scalable business model. It was like, there was, you, you know, if, if I'm helping somebody make an extra 10 million or 50 million or 100 million, I have no problem being paid. If I'm just helping somebody who's in pain get out of pain, I would do that for nothing. And so it just made more sense to me, even really as a kid when I started out, that, okay, here's a business model I can get behind. And that, that was when I started coaching back in the early, early 90s. That's awesome. And if I was to, so what we talk about at the Business of Coaching podcast is firstly, we always like to start with what was that personal transformation <laughs> that happened that allowed you to really question how you were doing business or what the business even was like kind of some paradigm well, shift or it, reality that changed there there have been a few mm -hmm. like I, the reason i'm laughing is because it's kind of embarrassing that i didn't really actually consider myself to be in business until about 2015 even though i've been doing this since 1990 and i've been making millions since the mid 2000s i still didn't think of it as a business like it was just like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it, in my head, business was this thing that other people did. So we can get to when I actually started thinking of it as a business. But I started, I, the, the, the first big breakthrough I had with it, when I went from kind of 33 pounds per session, which is about 50 bucks, to actually charging like $500 and things like that, was I, I worked with a coach and they said to me, you seem to have an addiction to flying under the radar. I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you've helped these people and you've helped these people and you've worked with a lot of famous people, but nobody knows who you are. It's like you're hiding. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, that seemed true. And I went, well, okay, I'll, I'll fly over the radar. And she's like, no, that's the same thing. <laughs> it's still off the radar. <laughs> and, and, and I really kind of sat with it. And, and I, I realized that I had this ridiculous fear I see it now as ridiculous. At the time, I thought it was a very sane fear that if I became successful, I was going to start doing drugs and cheat on my wife. And the only sense I can make of it is I had some clients who were really successful and did drugs and cheated on their wives. Like It wasn't completely random, but it was kind of random. Mm -hmm. And the day I got over it was I was, I was parked near a friend's house in, uh, in West Hollywood. And this girl starts walking, I'm, I'm parked on a hill, this girl starts walking towards me, stripping, like literally taking her clothes off and walking towards me. And I'm like, and I'm totally disoriented. And then I suddenly saw there was a film crew and they were obviously filming a porno like on the street. And, and something about the ridiculousness of it, I went, oh, I don't like drugs and I don't want to cheat on my wife. I mean, it was, it was just that. It wasn't like some big intense process I went through. It was just, I was kind of shocked. 
And, 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 and it was funny, literally within a week, I had my first six-figure contract. I had my first European contract. I got a big training company with a major. And it was almost like all that stuff had been waiting for me to get over it. Like, I think if I hadn't already put in seven, eight years of coaching, that wouldn't have happened. But it really felt like that. Like, I had been the one holding it back. Because it was quick, the turnaround. And, and I've had a few of those over the years where I, I hit, get to a certain plateau, and I think it's, well, I guess this is as far as you can go, and then something changes in me, and a whole other level of client, a whole other level of business comes in. And, and, and like the second one, I mean, if you, if you want. So my big dream was to make seven figures. Like that was the, the magic number. And I really was like trying all these strategies and all these things to do it. And I didn't think I would do it because I thought of myself as um, an almoster. I don't know if you, you've ever heard the classification, but there are losers, winners, and almosters. Mm -hmm. And I was an almoster. Like, wow, he was almost great. Wow, he almost really succeeded. Wow, he almost made a lot of money. Like, that's how I thought of myself. And the, that year, I, I actually did it. I, I crossed the seven-figure barrier, and my first thought was, huh, I guess almosters can be millionaires. Mm -hmm. It didn't change my beliefs at all. And that was interesting to me, because I thought, oh, well, I need to believe in myself, and I knew I didn't do that. Like, I, I did as a coach. Like, I, I knew that I was really good at helping people. But I never believed in me, like that I was any good. It was just I knew that I could help people. And so it's been a, like a bunch of little progressions like that. And then the big one I was saying in 2015 was when it finally dawned on me that I actually was in business and I actually kind of knew something about business and I actually liked business. Because I used to say all the time, well, I mean, if it was my business, I wouldn't do it like that. And then one day somebody said, isn't it your business? I was like, huh. I guess it is. And I, and I mean, it was. And so we had this big business plan. We were going to expand. We are going to create an associates model where I was going to have associates. And because I had a lot of exposure through my books and things, then I, you know, I would get the clients, but then I would have other people do a lot of the, the lower level work and I'd do the higher level work. And we, it was all worked out. We had a big meeting. We had a team of seven by then. And, 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 and everyone's like going, oh, and we're going to make this much in the first year and this much in the second year. And everyone's excited. And the whole meeting... I can feel my heart sinking, like proper despair. And I was like, I knew enough to not say anything because I thought, well, maybe I just need to sleep on this. And I woke up in the morning and I was just clear as anything. I didn't want to do it. Like it was a business that might've worked, but I had no interest in it. And that was the morning where I went, okay, I actually do know what I want to do. I don't know if it's viable, but I know what I want to do. And I called everyone and three of them left. And I got rid of one <laughs> and, and, and the rest of us started building this new business. And it was touch and go for probably about six months. Like we were really flirting with not making it financially. And then when it turned though, because our hearts were in it, it has gone up and up and up ever since. And, and I love it. I absolutely love it now. So That's beautiful. What is it that got you to realize these different elements or different events like what was it that was present to you at that time what i hear you say is there were of course personal transformations that led to mm -hmm. a business transformation right there was personal realizations mm -hmm. that led to a business realization what is it if some anybody that's watching and listening yeah. right now right they're going 
that's great for Michael. <laughs> what is it? What yeah. is it? Or how is it? Or is there something that I can do about having those realizations being more present to me? Because if it is present yeah. to us, there's likelihood we could work on well, it. Well, I think nobody, almost nobody believes that you can do what you really want to do, follow your inclinations and be successful. Everyone thinks if you want to be successful, you got to put your inclinations aside and follow the formula. And there's a lot of disagreement about what the formula is. And there's plenty of people selling you the formula, but you got to find the formula and follow the formula. And that's why I thought I hated business because I thought business looked like other people's formulas. And I never wanted to do that. And it, it, I mean, I feel like I was the last one to the party. Like I was so slow to get that, well, why don't I just do what I really want to do and think is a good idea? And if it doesn't work, at least I'm going down with my own ship instead of going down on somebody else's. And, and so that's the thing that I think I, I would encourage anyone who's trying to go to the next level, whatever that, whether that's zero to 60 or whether that's, you know, up and up and up is what would you love to do? Like you got a reasonable shot because if you love it, you show up different. There's a different energy behind it. If you are in love with what you do, there's not a rush. Like I remember going on a course for coaches that, you know, on building your income and building your practice. And it was, it was, I got it 15 years ago. And, and I remember my goal was to make my income from the previous year in the first quarter of the year I was doing this program. Good, big, aggressive goal. And I got so stressed that first month trying to work as hard as it was going to take to do that, that I, I got, I was like, what am I doing? And I realized I so hated selling and building a business that I was trying to get it over with. I thought, God, if I can get this over with in three months and I get nine months off before I have to do it again. And, and so that made no sense to me. Like once I realized that's what was going on. And so I went, okay, what if my goal was to fall in love with growing my business as much as I love coaching? And once that happened, it wasn't a rush. And in fact, I did make the previous year's income in about seven months, but it was fun because I was in love with it and not dreading it, trying to make myself do it, trying to force myself to do it. Like th this problem for me with motivation and discipline and holding people's feet to the fire. It's like, if you're doing something you love, you don't need to do that. Like nobody has ever had to threaten me to get me to sleep with my wife. It's like, we're good, right? But all this stuff about business, it's like, no, you got to do it. You got to work it. You got to, it's like, it's exhausting before you even do anything. And, 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 and I guess that's just the thing that to me I've learned is the universe is a lot kinder than we think. And actually it responds to love. It responds to enjoyment. It, it responds to the creativity that comes when you take your time, as opposed to the desperation of got to get there, got to get to the next level, got to get to the next level, got to get to the next level. And, and I just, you know, and maybe it's just getting older as well, but I realized at a certain point it had gotten so stressful that I said to my wife, look, I will do this until we hit this level and then I'm quitting. I'm going to go try and write fiction or something, but I'm not going to work past that point. And then again, I again had that, well, wait, something's wrong with this. And then it was like, oh, well, what if I loved it? What if I did it in a way that I loved? And so I've been obsessed with sustainability for the last seven, seven, eight years. And I'm only doing things that I think 
I will want to keep doing or could keep doing as opposed to things that will get me to the next level and then I can decide. Mm -hmm. And it's like I've lost the love of the push, but I've fallen in love with the updraft. Mm. It's beautiful. I was just lost in that conversation for a second because I was like, wow, that's beautifully said and I didn't want it to end. So I wanted <laughs> to keep talking. Uh, but if I was to ask a, a question that may be for, for individuals who are just mm -hmm. starting out or yeah. individuals that are still in the push yeah. uh, or taking business from that approach, consider me, I take mm -hmm. it from that approach yeah. as of now in my life. And I will definitely consider what you just said. What would you... Not, not necessarily what would you say, but what would be your thought for, mm -hmm. for somebody who's starting out, somebody who's in the push, somebody who's trying to get to the next goal, to, to consider, to, to advise, if, uh, if nothing else, to go, hey, why, why don't you think about well, that and that would help? Are we talking business generally or coaches? Business generally as well. Yeah, yeah, well, no. So in, in business generally, it's, see, somebody could hear what I just said and went, oh, I'm not supposed to push. Hey, if you love pushing, push your ass off, right? It's not about you should be more gentle or you should go slower or you, not necessarily. Like going fast is really cool too, if you're into it. So the biggest thing is to stay with yourself over the right way. You know, I always remember when I was a kid, we used to go hiking a lot. We'd stay in these mountain cabins. And I always remember, that we, I was probably six years old, and they taught, taught us the right way to make beds. And they said, there's the right way, the wrong way, and the AMC way. And, and that always kind of stuck with me. And it's like, I think it's the same with growing a business. There's the right way, the wrong way, and your way. And the right way is not going to help you. And the wrong way is not going to help you. But your way will, because you'll go on a learning curve. And even if your way is stupid to start with, it won't stay stupid. So it really is just stay with yourself. Keep checking in. Not how am I doing, but am I loving it? Does this make sense to me? If it doesn't make sense to you, why are you doing it? Well, Ajit said to. Well, Michael said to. Well, no, that, please, God, no. <laughs> like, like, if it makes sense to you, do it. Some of what you do will work. Some won't. You'll learn. Mm -hmm. And then you'll get to another level and new things will make sense to you. And I don't mean don't take input. But there's a big difference between taking input, listening, and trying to do what someone else has done. It, as a follow-up, I do, and this is, I'm, I'm assuming that, yeah. you, that you're not saying not to learn from others. You're just saying adapt. No, I'm absolutely, no. Learn from others in the sense of let other people's experience spark yours. Mm -hmm. Let it spark your ideas. Let it spark your insights. Somebody does something, you think, that's cool. I want to try that. Try it. But don't do it because, well, they did it and they're successful. First off, sadly, a lot of people who are successful aren't, mm -hmm. right? I've had the fortune and misfortune of working with a lot of really successful broke people. Mm -hmm. So there's that. But even the ones who really are successful, it, they, it, it worked for them because they're them. You're not them. Right? Something that you would love, I would probably find awkward. There are things that I love doing that you would probably go, you know, turn your face up at. But they're perfect for me and yours are perfect for you. So people can be inspired by us. They can have a, 
a, a catalytic experience. We can say something that sparks an idea for them, but that's completely different than them trying to do what we did, hoping that they'll get the same result we got. So I have two follow-up questions to that. Firstly is how or what would you suggest in context of learning mm. is say people look at what Michael's doing, yeah. they're inspired by it, they come work with you or listen to you on this show or some other show, or whatever mm. that is the modality that they engage with your learnings. How should they listen mm. for advice or strategy or blueprint or whatever you want to call mm. it uh, so they can be present to what is also true for them? Well, I think the problem is in the question. I don't think it's helpful to listen for strategy, blueprint, process. I mean, it might be for something like, hey, how do I put a spreadsheet together? Like, well, you can look. Basically, if the answer is on Google, cool. Like, then there's a strategy. If, if, if every Google entry is pretty much the same steps, like, you know, I was trying to figure out how to get a screenshot on my Mac. Perfect. Follow a strategy. But if it's how do I grow my business, how do I get more clients, things like that, strategies and blueprints are, take you in the exact opposite direction. Because mm -hmm. you're not checking in, well, what makes sense to me? What, what would I like to try? What, what kind of sounds fun as opposed to horrific and maybe I could make myself do it once, but if it doesn't work, I quit. Mm -hmm. So it's a different, you're listening for something else. You're listening for your own insight which might be sparked by your story, might be sparked by my story, but it's never gonna look like my story because you're not me and I'm not you. And mm -hmm. like we live in separate realities. That's cool. That's why it's a rich and varied world. You know, there's a, I, I talked to Tim Galway, the um, inner game coach, and he was telling me about that when he works with golfers, one of the questions that they'll often ask is, hey, I hit a, a perfect shot on the, 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 the third hole. And then I went, I, I, I made the exact same shot on the fourth hole and it went backwards. Like I, I almost killed somebody. What, and, and he said, well, what do you mean you did the exact same thing? And he said, well, I, I set up the same way. I had the same thought in my head. I, the same angle, the same speed. Like I made sure it was exactly the same. And, and, and what Tim always asked him is he said, well, on the hole where you hit the great shot, were you trying to repeat what you had done on a previous hole? And of course, the answer is never. It was spontaneous in the moment. It was fresh in the moment. And that's the mistake we make all the time. We take something that occurs to us in the moment, that's alive in the moment, and try to replicate it. The bit worth replicating is being alive in the moment. Mm -hmm. That's worth replicating. But aliveness in the moment will come out differently in the next moment. It'll come out differently in you than it will in me. It'll come out differently in this conversation than if I go on another podcast tomorrow and have a conversation with somebody else or even with you, it would be a different conversation because the value is in what is fresh and alive and real now. Mm -hmm. That you can follow, you can take that to the bank. Mm -hmm. But the specifics of it, they're not that useful. So related question, which is the second part of the question that I wanted to ask mm -hmm. is, where is it, and if that is even, mm -hmm. Let's see where the story yeah, yeah. goes, right? Uh, so <laughs> where is it where you go, this is where I am? Because th there's a lot of dialogue that we are having is about finding the comfort mm. of, not comfort necessarily, but finding the truth of where yeah. you are and what you want to be. So where is it that you go, well, I know this is slightly uncomfortable, mm. 
for me to do. Mm. But I know this may help progress my right. business. So is there a line? Or to a me, it to is, there is, I have neither a preference for comfort nor discomfort. Mm. Comfort is irrelevant. Comfort is a function of what I happen to be thinking in the moment. If I'm thinking comfortable thoughts, I'll feel comfortable. If I'm thinking uncomfortable thoughts, I'll feel uncomfortable. It has nothing to do with it. There is a knowing in people. There is a sense of direction in people. There's an inclination in people. And if they learn to follow and distinguish that, regardless of whether they happen to be comfortable or uncomfortable in the moment, that's what will take them where they want to go. So it isn't about how you feel in that sense. It's, it's just about, am I doing what I'm drawn to do? And we just underestimate the power of that. And here's my theory. This is just a theory. I think the reason it makes such a difference is people are drawn to the aliveness. They're drawn to the freshness. They're drawn to the authenticity. They're drawn to the love. That's what draws them to you, not your clever letter, not your clever marketing plan, not your clever sales pitch. They might put up with that if that's what they have to go through to buy from you. But what they're drawn to is that spark. Like if you think of the people that you have, some of it will be, wow, they're impressive. But the ones that you're really drawn to, it's there's something else. And, and we underestimate that and we think it's to do with the form it takes. And so we try to copy the form and totally miss the power. Beautiful. How or what would be your recommendation for somebody who is just getting into, mm. let's say, very specifically to coaching yeah. right now? or maybe a few years into the coaching uh, or coaching business mm. per se right now. And they are going, well, yes, and I want to know what is actually present to me or is real to mm. me or the words that you used. Uh, how, how would they know? What, what is that feeling that you're looking for to know that okay. this is what maybe is more real? See, you? I think the only way that you know is in action. You got to try shit. You gotta try shit. Like, how could you know sitting in your chair what you're going to like? So I, I sometimes use dating analogies, which is comical because I haven't been on a date in 30 plus years. But if I had, right, that you, you, if you're drawn to somebody, you probably want to flirt before you go on a date, right? If after flirting, you kind of are more into it, go on a date. If after dating, you want to spend even more time with them, you might kind of start going out and and if that goes well, you might want to get engaged. And if that goes well, you might want to get married. It's like, we already know how, what to follow. It's just that sense of, ooh, that's cool. I want to do more of that. And then there's other people you go on one date with and you go, never again. Mm -hmm. But you can't know in your head. That's, I think, the biggest thing that stops people early on is they want to get it right before they've gotten it anywhere. You got to do shit. Like there's, I do not know a way to build a business without doing shit. I just don't. Never seen it. But you learn as you go. And it's easy. I guarantee you, you will know whether you want to do more of it once you get into it. And would you say, is there, is there based on your experience, you've done this for 30 years, you've coached so many yeah. people, is there something that you've said, the idea of what to try first, you've seen, like if somebody's coming in from a place yeah. of, say, several years of work, not really being able to make yeah. their businesses work or trying to really make an yeah. effort in trying really yeah. trying type of thing uh have you found that hey listen here are some things that you can try or here are some things that you may want to consider trying well 
Yeah, but they're so obvious, it's going to be embarrassing to point them out. Like, if you want to be a coach, try coaching. You know, if you want to be a speaker, try speaking. You want to be a writer, try writing. You, you want to get into sales, try selling something to someone. It, I, I mean, it sounds, well, it can't be that simple. It really is that simple. Like Einstein said, everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. I don't think we can get simpler than that. Try doing the thing you think you want to do. There was a, a French playwright named Jacques Prévert, and he said, the best way to prepare for something is to do it. Like, do it. If you don't like it, you can stop. But, but people spend years getting themselves ready to choose what to try to... Ah, like, that's why nothing happens. Get in the game. Until you are in the game, you have no clue. I, like, I love watching football. You know this. I'm obsessed about watching football, right? I played it. I didn't like it very much. But I love watching it. Good to know. I couldn't have known until I actually played it. I would have bet money I would have loved playing it. But I was wrong. No problem. Didn't, not, nothing, nothing bad happened because I tried it. We have this idea, but if I, if I do it, I have to stick with it. No, you don't. You really don't. You can try a thousand things. Like, okay, here's another one. You know the idea it's a numbers game? It's really not a numbers game in my experience. Right? If I have room in my practice for five clients, it's not true that I need to talk to 50 to get to the five. It might be the first five. I might talk to 5,000 and not get any. It's the right people. And you're only going to find them by being in the game. That's beautiful. And uh, if I was to ask you the last question, and the last question would be, is there something that I should have asked during the course of this conversation <laughs> that would have helped elaborate some of the ideas that you shared mm. today or any idea that I should have actually explored that we couldn't explore? What would that be? Yeah, it, I, there probably is an answer to that. and It's something around the relationship between presence and impact. Mm -hmm. People have very different ideas when they're doodling, when they're hanging out, when they're not trying so hard, when they're just exploring and bouncing, than they do when they're trying to get somewhere. The, the mind doesn't actually work very well when it's over-focused. It's like there's this thing, purpose tremor, if you try to thread a needle, everybody gets the shakes. Well, it's the same thing with launching a business. If you try too hard to get it right, you're not going to get anything. Whereas if you can, like I've got a mentor and he used to say, people pick on me for not being serious enough. And I say, they don't understand. I'm serious, but without the feeling, right? People make this so heavy. Business. Oh, we're talking about business. Okay, shh, everybody. Kids, be quiet. We're talking about business. It's like, why would business be any less fun than monopoly or sex? It's like, it's just another thing you can do with your time. Like, if you are willing to take your time and enjoy it and learn, you'll do really well. It's that simple. Wasn't that amazing? I love it how simple, 
Michael makes everything. It is just just fascinating. And it also shows us how sometimes we tend to overcomplicate things. We could really keep it easy. Now, I know you loved our conversation with Michael. So I invite you to go ahead and give us the five-star ratings that you probably want to give us right now. Leave us a comment. Tell us how you found this episode and what more can we do in the coming episodes? What is it that you're looking for? Send us more information because that helps us create even more engaging and powerful conversations for you. I'm super excited that you got a chance to get introduced to one of my mentors. And I'm super excited to bring more of my mentors like Michael on this podcast. Now, before we leave, I'd love for you to hit that subscribe button. Wherever you're watching and listening to this, go ahead and hit subscribe so we can stay in touch and we can send you a notification every single time we get a new episode release. You know this is that 20, 30, 40 minute learning you need every week to get better at what you do to get better at business, to get better at coaching ability, to get better in life. Thank you for listening in today. Hey, listen, before we leave, one more thing. If you haven't yet looked up Certified Business Coach by Evercoach, I really encourage you to check it out. This unique program is a powerful methodology that is based on the coach-consultant approach. It's a unique approach that has helped me make pretty good money for myself and have so much impact out in the world. I would love for you to explore this opportunity and learn more about it on this specific page. In the show notes, you'll find the page or you could simply just go to evercoach.com CBC for more details on this particular program. I look forward to seeing you inside the certification program. I am your host, Ajit Navlaka, and every week on the Evercoach podcast, I will bring the world's best thinkers, coaches, trainers, to share some of their best ideas to solve real client problems, live a prosperous life, and be an even better version of ourselves.